Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tenacity Strength Fit for Duty podcast. I'm Larry Brown, my other half of the show, Vaughn Atin, still out uh, dealing with the real life issues that life does bring. Uh, but he's doing well, though. He's doing well. I reached out to him, and hopefully we'll have him back on as a regular contributor to the podcast. But until then, uh, you know, send all your well wishes to him. But in any event, I am very happy to bring on a, a fellow Navy man. I'm very, very happy to do this. Uh, if you did not know, the United States Navy is the greatest uh, military branch of service that has ever existed. This is not up for debate. And I have the one and only James Ball, the 5MB athlete, raw athlete, and getting ready for a bodybuilding show. So James, how are you today? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So just a little quick backstory on how I discovered, uh, is it Lieutenant or Lieutenant Commander? Uh, Lieutenant. All right. Lieutenant Ball. Uh, he was just going through his offseason training. I'm like, this dude has a lot of shoes and he has a home gym. And I think I discovered you at the height of the pandemic when you were actually getting in some good home training because uh, you outfitted your space to be able to uh, accommodate that. And I just, I've been following you ever since. And the amount of gains that you've made uh, has been nothing short of phenomenal. But, you know, I also found out that you serve, that you're serving, currently serving in the United States Navy. Um, you have a supplement contract with uh, an up and coming uh, supplement brand, which is very, very hard to do uh, these days as an amateur. And, you know, you have a killer shoe collection. So just give us a little bit of backstory of how you got into the Navy, where you're from, and uh, where you're at now currently. Yeah, so I joined, I enlisted in the Navy in, uh, when I was 19 because um, uh, my, my baseball career ended and I didn't know what to do. And I was going to school and I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I thought it'd be a good idea to learn something and uh, serve my country. Um, and then 15 years later, I'm still here. I'm still in the Navy. Um, so it's been good. Uh, but now I'm currently in, uh, I've bounced around all over, but I'm currently in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Um, been here for a couple of years now. So I'm trying to not move as much anymore as I get older. And I got a home gym and a bunch of shoes, like you mentioned. So moving those is a little bit of a logistics challenge. Uh, but um, yeah, so, and then I got into bodybuilding or I got, I got into bodybuilding really right when I joined the Navy um, because I was in the barracks and there was a gym close by and that was about all I could do because I was 19. I couldn't drink with everybody else. So I was too scared to get in trouble. So I just went to the gym and then um, it's kind of right around, that was like 2006. So that's when Ronnie and Jay were battling it out for the Olympias. And, you know, I just was reading muscle, muscular development and all those magazines every, every month. And then I was just soaking up as much as I could. And then, um, got bit by the bug and I haven't really stopped since but I did a lot of more so powerlifting and strongman after about two years of training um because I was I was actually stronger I was stronger than I was uh big at the time and I was still my joints were still good so um and it was fun for me so I did powerlifting and strongman for about 10 years and then recently about three years ago is when i started bodybuilding I did my first show um and that was because my i had injuries to my hips and i can't i couldn't squat to depth anymore in the powerlifting meet and then uh so i was like oh let me try this bodybuilding thing out 
and then I've been just 24 seven. I really, really got bit by the bug this time. And then, you know, it's been fun. So I've been doing that about three years and then prepping for a show um, July 17th, some four weeks out or three weeks out in six days right now. And then um, I'm still figuring out what national show I'm going to do, but there's some more to follow, but it's either going to be masters nationals, USA's or North Americans. Or maybe all three, who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of my my story. So it's it's funny. I just had a guest on last week, and everyone kind of uh, got their start with bodybuilding via powerlifting. Um, were you a raw powerlifter? Yeah, I did raw. So when I when I first started powerlifting, pretty much all there was was equipped. But I just thought it was so stupid. And like, cause I've watched the guys at the gym train and they'd spend like an hour putting their suits on and it just didn't seem real to me. So it was like, it was pretty rare to be a raw power lifter back then. But then that's also kind of why I ventured into strongman because that was all raw. And I was with my build and my athleticism, I was, I was pretty good at strongman, um, except for overhead press or log press. That was my week event. But every other, if, if it was a moving event or like a deadlift event or, anything like that I was pretty good so I did that for a while as well and then um I, I attribute that to building my base and my like work ethic and you know learning the big movements and and how to you know you know fi fire the muscles and, and train really you know are you following world's strongest man at all um I've kind of got away from it because it's such a hard sport to follow because like I used to back in the day before like social media, but now it's like they, you get the results before the, it comes out on ESPN. So it's like, not as, it's not as cool to me anymore, but I'll watch it, but I don't like follow it like I do bodybuilding, but I think Brian Shaw won this year. Really? If I'm not that, mistaken. Yeah. I think he just, I think he won. I think okay. I saw something on Instagram, but Cause, cause so that's last good for him. I, I really like Brian Shaw a lot. I, I, I like him. I started watching his stuff at the height of the pandemic too. Um, you know, not to sidetrack into a strong man, into a strong man conversation. Um, you think this is his last one? Yeah, I think so. Because I think last year was supposed to be his last one uh, from when I was gathering, but then the um, pandemic and stuff kind of put a, you know, I think, I don't think they didn't have it last year. He held a, strongman competition in his garage um which is pretty cool around his property uh, it was like the brian shot classic but i think they canceled world strongest man last year so i think he was planning on that being his last one so, but he's I, I think he wanted to end it actually competing so i think he just did it extended another year okay okay so wh where are you from originally uh, i'm from uh, just north of la um town called thousand oaks california oh okay so you never got into bodybuilding while while you were at home? No, so I played um, football and baseball, but I was really good at baseball. Like I was a pro prospect and for as a pitcher. And um, I was, I would lift with the football team when I, like when we had to, but I would just kind of like sack the workouts to be honest with you. Cause back then there was this big like misconception that if you were a pitcher, and you lifted weights, it would get you too bulky and you won't be able to throw as hard. So I was always like worried about that. And uh, now I wish I knew what I knew now. I would have definitely taken training more seriously in high school. But um, I didn't 
I like to like play sports and and like you know the, the actual like practice and playing but as far as like the off-season training at it I wasn't the most devoted in the weight room <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was the first time I lifted weights <clears throat> was in high school it was like for football it's, like it's, fun, it's funny you bring up pitching and um pitching and bodybuilding literally because uh the college world series are in Omaha right now and that's going down and, it's, and it always brings a pretty big crowd. So it's always interesting to hear uh, how formula former baseball players get into uh, the sport after their career ends. Cause I don't think people realize how much of a grind baseball is. Yeah. And I think that's why I like bodybuilding because baseball is such a long grind. Cause I mean, I, I played year round since I was like, five or six years old basically and it's just like I, I like the grind and that's exactly what bodybuilding is it's the and the bodybuilding is the biggest grind there is so you're you're you dive into you leave strongman you leave powerlifting and you dive into bodybuilding pretty much at at the at the peak of the coleman uh cutler rivalry which spawned many bodybuilders to get into the sport uh, no, no. So I, uh, my, when I was first started lifting, I just wanted to get jacked. That was it. Like I wanted to, and I went from like 180 pounds out of boot camp to like 240, probably in like six to nine months. And that's all I cared about. I did DC training because when DC training was kind of like new and like I was on intensemuscle.com, learned everything from Dante Trudell. And so I did that for like two years. I want to get jacked. But then I was like, there was only open class. And I was like, man, I'm never going to look like Ronnie or Jay. But I was pretty strong for my size. Like I was, you know, pulling in the seven, squatting in the sixes, benching in the fours, but I didn't look like Jay Cutler. But so then I was like, I could do well at powerlifting. So I, that's kind of how I got into powerlifting. But I, my first two years, I only cared about getting jacked as possible. And then I went to powerlifting for like 10 years or so. Okay. And then I went, then I bodybuilding the last three years. Okay. So had you ever made a trip to Gold's Gym Venice when you were younger? Yeah, I went out there, uh, not when I was younger, but I went out there on vacation to see my family after a deployment in 2016. And I went to Gold's and then I went to Muscle Beach, like at the outdoor gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cool. I went once and it smelled like hot corn nuts and toe jam. So yeah, you have the day pass was like, I think it was like 50 bucks or something. I'm like, all right, whatever you guys got me. (laughs) It was crazy. I'm just like, "Eh, I don't think so. But it's like, it's not the same now though, because Venice, because of last year, just really, you know, went downhill and everybody kind of moved out of there. Really? Yeah, like go like they all moved to Vegas, like pretty much all those guys, like Sean Roden, because Flex Lewis started up the Dragons Lair, and they all kind of like a lot of them migrated to uh, Vegas. Because Venice is just like it's overran with like uh, like it's sad, but homeless people because of the pandemic just crushed a lot of people there. You know, that is that is disappointing to hear, but I mean definitely not unexpected seeing as that California took a big hit with the pandemic. Um, so 
tell me of how you balance your career with bodybuilding. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to get back into bodybuilding in a minute, but I'm always fascinated by military bodybuilders that actually do really well in competition. Um, you just have to, if you want to do it, you could do it. Um, it gets, so. you know, if, if there's a will, there's a way. So, you know, you, you plan your meals out, you plan your day out, and then you, you plan your training around, you know, your work schedule. And, you know, it's very feasible. And then the military is such a structured environment. Like there's built in time to like work out and things like that. Like it's a, it's a workout culture. So um, there's really no excuse not to do it. So the people that make excuses, um, I'm sorry, but (laughs) they don't have any. Uh, Where it gets tricky though, is when you go on deployment. So you're probably, you could do very well on deployment because you're it, it like it, it that is the most structured environment we're on a ship in the middle of the ocean for nine months because you know you you do this same you wake up the same time you eat the same time you train you work out the same time every day um the issue is like your food so you can get a you know the main thing is getting calories and getting protein in so you'll always be able to get that but you might not be able to like really like, you know, diet down for like a show because the way some of the food's prepared and things like that. But I mean, it's, it, you can get like, that's a good time for like an off season, in my opinion, like if you're on deployment um, because of the food, I mean, you could probably prep pretty far, but the last you'd, you'd have to really, I mean, now it's kind of easier with like Amazon and stuff. Like if you need order about like tuna packets and rice packets and things could do it but in protein powder and those things but um uh yeah i mean and the gyms are usually pretty good i mean you have the basic stuff that's all you really need so that's just how i balance it i just make it a priority to be honest with you and then um you know you, you gotta get good at your job and you gotta get good at training so you just gotta you know keep going always learning and you were yeah. on a on a class of ship that that isn't very large. Tell us about that. Living in a space, um, living on a ship that isn't very big, but is so vital to the Navy's mission. Yeah, I mean, um, so I've been on the biggest. I spent majority of my time on aircraft carriers, which are the biggest ones. Um, so there is a little bit more of gym there, but there's also a lot more people. So I don't really have as much gym space, but like, so like I was just on a cruiser, which is like a crew of like over like 300 compared to like 5,000 on a carrier. But, you know, proportion wise, you probably have more gym space because, um, you know, we had like two gyms on there um, with all the equipment you would need to make sufficient progress. Um, Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, I'm lucky now, so I'm an officer, so I eat in the wardroom. So the selection of foods a little bit better than the mess eggs. So I do have that, that, that privilege now. Did you, 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 you started off as enlisted, correct? I did. Yeah. So my first, uh, seven and a half years I was enlisted and then my last seven and a half years have been as an officer. Okay. Now you're a pretty tall person. How tall are you? um 
six two and some change, and not you, quite six three. And you filled out your frame uh, really, really well. I want to get into exercise selection a bit because I feel a lot of tall guys see how, say, a Nick Walker is training, and they try to replicate that, but they don't understand that they don't have the same leverages, and maybe a squat isn't that a free weight squat isn't that great for somebody who's above six feet or six one how do you how do you think about your exercise selection within a training cycle and how do you cater that towards your height yeah so for um that's 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 been the thing i probably learned the most in the past two years and that's more mostly in the past year to be honest with you and that's what i attribute my most amount of gains to is my exercise selection and then picking it for my body. So there's no like exercises you have to do. Um, so that's the number one thing I learned. You have to pick exercises that work for you and work for your body. So like for like quads, like you brought up a good point for, for like squats. If I do a barbell back squat with my long femurs and my poor ankle mobility, I am almost going to get zero knee flexion going forward. So it's going to be very, very little quads. So all it's going to do really, and I'm going to be bent over um, in order to get that, but it's going to go way back. So it's going to be a lot of, lot of posterior, lower back, glutes, and then very little quads. So um, that is not going to be an exercise I'm going to choose when I'm to build my, my quads. So I find like for, for quads specifically, for like tall guys and and like poor ankle mobility but as well you have to elevate your heels so i i always all my quad workouts now are always on a wedge so i use either like a anywhere from a 10 degree wedge to a 30 degree wedge depending on how much knee forward knee travel i want and then um you know i kind of just model like if we're just talking about like quads that's how it is so it's going to be um heel elevated either squats which they're, they're still good you just have to you have to get your heels elevated so you keep your torso upright your knees knees travel forward and then um i like to do a lot of single leg stuff as well so the, like a forward lunge with an elevated heel um because you can kind of work around um your mobility issues and, and really get in a good 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 knee knee flexion for knee travel and then hack squats are key and uh, I don't really, like if I do leg presses, I can't do a standard leg press with my feet all the way on the platform if I want it to be quad. So I have to really like almost only use the balls of my feet on the bottom of the platform. And you know, it's gonna limit how much weight you could use, but that's the only way I'm really gonna get my quads involved in leg press. Now, if I wanna get like glutes working, then I could just do like a standard leg press, but it's gonna be a lot more hip extension and, uh, so it'll be a lot more glutes or, or my, wipe my feet out more abductor, but, uh, but quads is really a, typically a hard one for taller guys. And I, I think that's the issue is, uh, you know, they pick a exercise, like you said, like Mick Walker's does, and, uh, he gets so much knee flexion because he's got shorter legs. It, the range of motion is a lot smaller, but if I'm going to get to get that full ROM, there's no way I'm going to get there with knee flexion. It's going to be a lot of hip extension, or sorry, hip ex 
hip uh, flexion to get back, you know, to get the full ROM. So I find that like very effective, but you just kind of have to get tricky um, with it. But a lot of the other like upper body stuff, I don't think it has as much of effect as it does with quads. I think quads is the biggest one for like a taller, longer limb guy. Um, with the arm stuff, or maybe arms too. So arms, I got away from all like compound movements for arms. So I don't do like close, cause I used to be able to close grip bench press four plates for wraps and I never, my arms still sucked. Um, cause I just, it's, they're just so long and they just, it just wasn't mechanically inclined for me. So I've pretty much gone to all like really kind of like, you know, exercises where, you know, like a lot of cable work for arms where the, the joints can get aligned uh, with the cable and I can pick the line of force because that, that's what differs from cables to free weights is your line of force with a free weight's only going to be gravity. So it's straight up and down. So, you know, when I was doing a lot of skull crushers and the free weight extension movements, my elbows were getting beat up because I wasn't able to get it aligned correctly with the, with the line of force, which is straight up and down. So I've used a lot of exercises, more cables that are more um, advantageous to, you know, lining up with the joint so I don't get elbow pain and really kind of getting tension on the muscle versus my joints. Do you think exercise selection is something that a lot of people uh, don't put into thought? Um, they just figure, hey, so-and-so is doing this. Well, I'm going to do this. When in actuality, they should probably go a different route. Yeah, 100%. So like, you know, you get people like, well, Ronnie did barbell rows. He had a huge back. Well, sometimes barbell rows just are not going to work for you. It might, you know, it's actually, a, I mean, it's a good, for a beginner, it's a great exercise. It's going to thicken you up overall and it's going to get you strong. But, um, you know, barbell rows might not be the best, like, you know, Latin upper back exercise you could choose. You know, you might be better off doing a chest supported dumbbell row. You know what I mean? Um, where you can really brace yourself and really target the tissue you're trying to target. Or, so like dead, or like deadlifts. Like I had a huge deadlift, but it never did much for my, my back. I still love to do them because it's a fun exercise for me, but um, there's much better lat and upper back exercises that don't come with the fatigue of a deadlift. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, deadlift was my favorite as well. Um, there was a, there was a saying that I used to go by the bar doesn't, the meat doesn't start until the bar hits the floor, meaning you really haven't done anything until the deadlift comes along. Um, but as a back builder, knowing what I know, we know now, it's an absolutely terrible back builder, an absolutely terrible lap builder, I should say. Um, so I, I feel like we follow a lot of the same people as far as exercise knowledge goes. And I think during the pandemic, a lot more people had time to read and really think about their training because they weren't in the gym. They weren't in the heat of the moment of training. Where are some of the, what are the, some of the sources that you have picked up uh, over the past few years that have really helped you elevate your physique and your training to the next level? 
Yeah, so if we're talking strictly like training, it's uh, Coach Chasm on Instagram. I don't know if you follow him. He's a key. Uh, he's in the N one training and N one education. Yeah. yeah, I got a yeah. membership to his website. He's been my biggest, like, like without question. Like as far as training, I just kind of model all my training off of him and uh, my exercise selection and then, and different type of stimuluses I'm trying to get with like loading print like that. Alan Cress. Um, I learned a lot from him as well. So I've gotten older, so I have to train a little different than I used to in order to still stay healthy, which 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 is important because you know, when your elbows hurt, you're not gonna be able to get big arms because you're in so much pain you can't lift correctly. So I've learned a lot through Coach Chasm and then Alan Cress on how to like, you know, train smartly and, and uh and still be able to like, you know, put tissue on and feel good. And then uh, another one is Paul Carter. I, I get a lot of good stuff from him as well. And, uh, and then a couple other pros like Hunter Labrada. I really like his training style um, as well. And him and his uh, training partner, Brian, uh, they're, they're very, I look up to those guys a lot for training as well. So I'd say like those five are my key, my like, my big five that I really kind of look up to for like, you know, training. And then Matt Jansen's my nutrition coach. So um, I've learned a whole lot from him in the past, you know, couple of months. So um, that's what I look for, for nutrition. And I, yeah, we, we follow a lot of the same people. Um, I've known Paul for years and uh, I've met him a couple of times too. Um, Hunter has a really intelligent uh, approach to his training as well. Um, so with your training, what are some of the things that you focused on uh, in the off season going into prep for this show that you're currently doing? So my key was I wanted to bring my arms up because my arms are just like god awful. So like, because um, I was a power, you know, powerlifter for so long, I never did like really good arm training. Like I'd throw in some like real push downs or some like hammer curls at the end of a workout every now and then. But um, so I, I had a big issue with arms. So that was my number one goal. And then my number two goal was to get my lower lats developed. And then so um, using all of like Coach Chasms and like Hunter's training and all those things, I've really learned how to the exercise selection to get my arms up and get my lower lats up. Um, so that was my real, my big focus um, this off season. Really, cause my legs kind of always, I always kind of just always have like naturally thicker legs. Um, so I didn't have to do, worry about them like too much, but I did have to bring them up a little bit. Like the sweep, my outer sweep was kind of, as a tall guy, you're always gonna need more sweep, so. Um, I guess that was another area was getting my sweep up a little bit. And then, so that was, a learn how to get my knees forward and to target that tissue versus, uh, my, my adductors tend to overpower on leg movements. Um, so, and, uh, so to get, you know, that, that vastus uh, lateralis engaged. So getting the quad fully lengthened is what I found. I really helped with that. So 
kind of those three things. And then, you know, for arms, it was really, it was really boring. Cause I would just do like the same four exercises, like every, every arm workout. And I just progressed on those and it did wonders for my arms. And then uh, for, for the same thing with back, I did the, I did the one arm lat pull downs. Like I do a couple different variations of them. Cause I didn't know, you know, for 12, 13 years, how to train lats. So I had a pretty decent upper back from all the, you know, how I used to row and how I used to do pull downs and things like that. But I never knew about the elbow travel and how the lat actually functions and what it's supposed to do. So I started finally training it, how it functions. And, uh, you know, I kind of figured out how to get lats. So, um, that was, that was my main focus this off season. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about being a, I'm going to consider you an elite level amateur bodybuilding because your conditioning is off the chain. And we're going to get to that in a moment, but what are some of the misconceptions that people have about being in the military and being an elite level bodybuilder? Um, what do you, what do you mean? Like misconceptions? Like, you must work out all the time. Your command must give you extra time off. Um, you know, are there like any preconceived notions that make people think you get special treatment from your command when in all actuality, you probably don't? No, I don't. Um, you know, I'll get a little like shit from my, my peers because like when you're like six foot two, three, like I am and like 250 pounds, pretty lean, like, a lot of people just don't like really mess with you so you kind of like um, you don't um get a lot of pushback really so i always kind of like get away uh which helps my department really helps me in my job because there's not a whole lot of like confrontation um but it's not really like a misconception like i get shit for it, but it's really because i i'm good at my job and i, I know what i'm doing um because I was prior enlisted and then I transferred an officer in the same, same career field. So basically like I was a logistics specialist and then I transferred in the supply corps. So I, I have a lot of knowledge in what I do versus like other officers might that are been in the same time as I have. So I, I know my job really well and I know how to like, you know, get stuff done. So the misconception is, is I get whatever I want because of like my, you know, stature or whatever, but it's really because I, I know my job and I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's the biggest one, but I don't work out. Like I, I work out at like 4 a.m. I get up at 4 a.m. and I'm working out at like 4.30. So I get, I get my training done before work. That way, if something comes up at work and I have to stay late, my, my, my training's not messed up. So I start the day with a huge W. And I'm a huge believer in that. I love training in the morning now. Like, I just like, if I don't do it in the morning, like I, 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 I just like, like my day's like ruined. So like, um, I make sure my training doesn't get messed up by that. Um, so like nobody could talk, talk smack to me, you know, I get privileges. Like I get to work out more or whatever, because I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm prioritizing it and I'm making sacrifices. If I get up at 4am when they're getting up at like you know, 6am to get to work. And then, um, but I also train twice a day. So we didn't just 
talk about that. So I train at 4.30 a.m. and then I train at 4.30 p.m. So I'm like a madman. <laughs> Tell me more about that, that double split. Is it both just gym sessions or is it one gym and then one cardio? Right now, it's, it's two gym sessions, two cardio sessions. So I do like gym, like weights. So I'll do like, uh, like, so today I'll just like, I did chest in the, as my AM workout. And then I did 30 minutes of cardio. And then I just got done with my shoulders and triceps. And then, um, I didn't have time to do my cardio. So I'm going to have to do it after this, but, uh, yeah, that's it right now. I'm on double cardio, but for typically speaking, if it was off season, it would just be AM weights, AM or sorry, PM, uh, training, um, and I might do cardio like three to four days a week in the off season, but just one session, not two. Okay, so you're you're a machine right now. Yes, I definitely agree. Um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, I do like about you is that you have your own. You're also a coach, which I find phenomenal, um, but also you have your own mini movement on. IG called hashtag melting ice. Tell me how that became about. Yes, that's funny how it started. I just, I, uh, I was in a prep in like 2019 um, for my last shows I did because I couldn't compete last year because of COVID. But um, <laughs> I was on the step mill one day and I was just like, you know, banging out some cardio like towards the, like, you know, sweating and dying basically. And then I was, I said, you know, we're out here melting ice. Well, walks. I was sweating a lot, and there was like sweat all over the step mill. And then I just I used the hashtag melting ice, and then it, like it just like caught on. Like it was like really really big in 2019, and then everybody started tagging me. Them doing like cardio or working out or whatever, and they'd use the hashtag melting ice, and I like you know like reshare it, and then it's like it took off, and it was like a pretty good got people like working out and um you know kind of like an accountability thing. And it helped a lot of people like, you know, and not just like, we're not talking like competitors either. We're talking just like, you know, people just trying to get in shape and be healthy. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now you've amassed a very huge following on Instagram. Um, I haven't checked your final numbers, but it's well over 10 K. What do you attribute this, uh, this social media success to? Um, I just, I never like, was like, like, I didn't care about a following when I started and I still don't. So I just try to like put out content that people would enjoy and I engage with with everyone. So like, if you comment on something, I'm going to like reply and thank you. And like, or if you have a question, I'm going to answer it. Uh, but I just focused on putting out like real content and I didn't try to like, you know, sugarcoat anything or, you know, make it fake. And then I focused on, you know, putting out quality content too, like, you know, like learning how to like take pictures and edit them and, you know, things that people would enjoy watching. And then I try to mix it up. So I don't have like a full, I'm kind of weird because I don't have like a full bodybuilding page. Like if you look on a normal bodybuilders page, it'd be nothing but like progress pics and then maybe a training video here and there. But I also do like kind of like my shoe collection and some like lifestyle stuff. And then I try to get some funny vids stick uh, snuck in there every now and then because I 
I do like like humor and jokes and kind of being funny. So it's kind of like I just kind of try to show my personality basically, and then I think people kind of just you know like that. And then I just I never I never cared about like a following. Like I never like you know bought like you know followers or engagement packages or all those things you get in your dms that they try to get you to buy um i just kind of focus on you know getting i try to put out like information stuff like sometimes i'll do like a training video and i'll like explain an exercise like execution and then sometimes you know i'll put like a you know physique picture up or sometimes i'll do like a you know like i did one yesterday where i was like flexing on the the mirrors of cars and everybody thought it was funny so like i was trying to kind of like mix it up i guess so tell us about this crazy shoe collection that you've amassed which is absolutely impressive um how long have you been doing it what led to the shoe collection in the first place and do you foresee yourself selling off any pairs at all yeah, so I started, like, when I was, like, probably, like, eight or nine. I just, like, loved shoes because I'd watched all the basketball. I really liked NBA basketball back then. And then because uh, the 90s basketball, so it was, like, the good era of basketball. And that's when the, the shoe game was just crazy back then. So I just and – I, and I played basketball when I was younger. So I'd always, like, you know, want like, want Michael's shoes or Shaq's shoes or, you know, whoever. And uh, my mom would, like – luckily she'd buy me like a pair or two a year and I'd, you know, keep them clean with my toothbrush. But that's kind of how, that's how it originally started for me, um, was back when I was younger and it's never really stopped, but it got a lot bigger. Once I, you know, progressed up the ranks and got more money, I was able to kind of go back and buy all the shoes my mom wouldn't buy me. <laughs> but so I would say most of the last like five years, it's gotten like a lot bigger um because you know when you start out in the military you don't necessarily have the most money and you know but i'd still you know buy shoes when i could but it wasn't like i could now um i'm actually because i don't wear like some shoes i just don't wear anymore so slowly slowly downsizing a little bit um just because i have too many and you kind of run out of space and then um kind of just go for the like, I haven't really even bought that many shoes this year. So if I don't, like, love it, I'm not going to buy it. Whereas back in the day, I'd be like, yeah, it's cool. I'll get it. Um, but not so much anymore. And then this year, like, it, it was a bodybuilding contest. But, like, this, ever since the last dance came out with the Michael Jordan series on, on ESPN, like, the shoe game went crazy. So, like, there's all these, like, there's a big resale game now. And it's, like their shoes are so hard to get and you got to pay like astronomical prices for them it's kind of like turned me off of the shoes for a little bit but you know i'm still into it it's like a hobby and it kind of like keeps you you know you gotta you gotta pay attention to like the drops when their shoes are releasing who's selling them how you're gonna buy them so it kind of like keeps your your mind busy um, so i'll it's never fun. stop because i just i love them but slowly slowly buying less and buying so quality over quantity basically is kind of where i'm at now so it's it's funny um i'm a i'm born and raised in chicago um so i was there for when michael jordan was a rookie basically 
exploded the Bulls into an international phenomenon. And he's coming out, Jordan is coming out with a shoe next year that actually pays homage because uh, me and him are also in the same fraternity, uh, Omega Psi Five Fraternity Incorporated. And those are supposed to be coming out early next year. Yeah, I saw that. So, and I, I, I want you February. to- I, see, I want you to keep in mind, I have never owned a pair of Air Jordans at all. The closest I got was a Pro Wings, and they looked like Jordans, but they were Pro Wings. Um, <laughs> so these, this will possibly, if I can get my hands on them, will be the first and only pair of Air Jordans I have ever owned for the simple fact that, one, I'm not a big Air Jordan shoe fan, and two, Nike's absolutely destroy my feet, but I cannot pass up on that pair that will come out next year. So I'm, I'm waiting for them. So that'll be the only thing in a shoe collection I have because I, I can't fathom having that many shoes, but also at the same time, that will probably be the only pair of Air Jordans I ever own. You have to let, let me know your size when I, when I get closer. I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I did. I definitely will because I see you are wait like I'll just log on. They say, you ain't got them. Well, I'll just be like, well, fuck it. I don't want them anyway. So I'll walk away with the attitude secretly crying inside. But yeah, I, I definitely need those shoes. Absolutely. And even if they tear up my feet, I'll just wear them one time and they could just go back in the box. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, personal life for a minute. You are married um, and your spouse is also in the military. Tell us how that relationship came about. Uh, we we actually met at a, when we were working on the joint staff in the Pentagon. She we were in the same like area, <laughs> so we kind of just hit it off there, and you know been in love <laughs> ever since. But yeah, we met at work. That's kind of how that that happened. Um, that was back in 2016. Is she was she into bodybuilding at all, fitness, or just like enjoyed working out? No, so she's always been involved in like fitness, but like she's uh, she grew up as a competitive swimmer, like in college and stuff. But she's always she always like like working out, like you know running, um, things like that. But recently, in the past like two years, she's got like really nailed down her like you know diet and uh, like her training because we got the home gym downstairs, so it's like perfect. That's actually originally why I got it was because. I got it before the pandemic, even so I was already prepped for it, but, uh, cause she didn't necessarily like going to the gym, you know, like she's one of those girls. Cause you know, guys, like guys will look at you and you're, you're at the gym and like, she's just uncomfortable there. But so she loves like the home gym. So it worked out really good. So it got her really into like, you know, more weight training. Um, but she's got a couple, um, competitions coming up. So she's doing the wounded warrior games and, September down in Orlando. So she's doing like the swimming events, um, rowing and powerlifting. So she's training for all three right now. So she's all hundred percent. I know we're training right now. So it's pretty cool though. So we're kind of both doing like, I do my, I'm training for bodybuilding and she's training for her thing. So it's like, you know, we're always kind of, you know, going. As a, do you handle her nutrition at all for these events or is it just something she's kind of crafted on her own? Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing with your wife and nutrition, though. So I give I give recommendations, but I'm not um, 
not like that she's a client um and she's not because i don't want to be like too pushy and she's not like the one to like you know weigh out you know the food to the grams and eat that but she's got a pretty good meal plan where she's um food that she enjoys and uh you know it's working for her but she'll ask me like we we talked about a new little training split today and then kind of like you know when to like because she's going to start doing like more of like a carb cycle approach so because like with some of her trainings a little bit more demanding um so we kind of like went over like how she should cycle through like the week like like high and low days and things like that okay what was some of the most difficult uh difficult aspects of your relationship when it first started um for her to like for far as like being a bodybuilder for her to like understand like the amount of time and like how hard the grind is for bodybuilding when i was doing my first show she didn't like understand like how i was feeling especially as we got closer and like how tired i was getting and you know how much time i was spending at the gym like you know away from her but so her kind of learning how to get with like the bodybuilding to be with a bodybuilder um, that first prep was pretty hard on us i ain't gonna lie but now she's kind of she knows the groove like she knows i'm like four weeks out so she kind of knows i'm not as talkative she knows i'm gonna be spending more time you know doing the you know extra cardio sessions and things like that i'm a little more anal on my diet but i pay it back to her in the off season so like i'll spend you know mine that you know i'm not spending as much time working out because you know, i'm not doing as much cardio and you know we can go out to eat more and, and things like that so she she gets it i just gotta pay it back on the back end um, but that part was hard as far as like a bodybuilding being with a bodybuilder um, she didn't quite understand like you know how how precise you have to be with your nutrition being everything like you know how it fits into the day it's you know, most people don't understand what goes into it, um, but she knows now. But as far as being like dual to dual military, we had to, um, I was in DC for a year while she had to take orders down here in Virginia Beach. So like for a year, like I was driving down or she was coming up um, every weekend. So that was like, that kind of sucked. Cause like during the week it was alone. And then, you know, you drive down after work on Friday and you gotta come back up on Sunday, so that sucked because that was like a year long. Um, but we're, kind of, we're over that now, thank God. How many more years do you think you got till retirement? Well, I just hit my 15 year mark in May, so I have at least five more to get to 20. Um, and then so at least five more years, so we'll see after that if I'm still if it's still wise for me to stay in or venture out so i'm trying to venture out to the fitness do fitness full-time as well so i've kind of got that two hit you know like a couple irons in the fire um obviously the iron in the fire more right now is the navy um but we'll see um i don't you know because we're gonna be having kids and things so it's like you got to factor that in like you know am i gonna have to go on deployment again be away from the kids and her or vice versa so 
these are just decisions we're gonna have to make as we kind of progress, but at least five. So tell me about, and you brought up a good uh, segue that you're trying to get into fitness full time. You're a coach. Tell us how that came to be and who are some of your mentors as far as uh, the coaching aspect of things go? Who are you learning from uh, the most? Well, I learned, so I've, I've been, you know, reading as much as I could on nutrition and training since I was, since 2006. It's like when the muscle boards were around, I would read every single post from like, you know, um, I learned a lot from Dante Trudell as far as like training and like, you know, how to get, how to put on some size. And then um, Skip Hill, I don't know if you know him. He's, he owned intensemuscle.com. Oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm familiar so he with was my coach the past two years. Um, I just went over to Matt uh, this year. Um, so I learned a lot from Skip. Um, so like on how to like, you know, really kind of peak for competition and, you know, look full and dry and things like that. So I attribute a lot of my knowledge from Skip. I learned a lot from like Justin Harris, a lot from Scott Stevenson. Um, I would say those are my main ones that I really learned, like, as far as like, you know, like nutrition and kind of how to be like a coach and kind of like, I use kind of like, I don't I don't use like a every like I use like like approaches that I like from everybody, um, you know. So, and then you know, I started being a coach by just helping buddies out for shows, like just for free for a couple of years, and um, they all end up getting doing well and getting shredded and things like that. And then um, now I've just kind of started taking on clients and building up my roster. Um, within like the past year um so that's kind of how i that's how i started i just i did it for free for like three years because i was like i need to learn there's no better way to like learn on people so i just kind of mastered my craft that way before i started charging people um i think that's important you gotta do it for a couple years before you can you know really say you know kind of what's going on because everybody's different and you got to be able to respond to people's bodies and you know at different times because people react differently and they react differently to different stimuluses and different stressors. So you got to be able to adjust on the fly. So you got to have a good, you got to have a good toolbox. You got to have a lot of, a lot of tools in the toolbox. You can't just have like, you know, a wrench, you know what I mean? What is the most difficult aspect of coaching for you? Um, when I don't, when I don't have clients that are in it as much as I am, because I'm all in, like with the training, training intense, diet, everything weighed out, everything ate at the same time type of a deal. So when I have a client that's not, if I sense they're not like training hard and they're not necessarily following the diet the whole time, I have a problem with that. So it's like figuring out how to get them to do that that's outside the X's and O's. That's out of like getting proteins. I've heard that. I've heard that like complaint many a time. Like, if you're gonna hire a coach, and if anyone's listening, um, if you're gonna hire a coach, be all in with your coach and be upfront and honest about what you're trying to do, because you don't want to waste the coach's time. And let's be honest, coaching is a premium service, and it costs a lot of money. 
So you don't want to waste people's time, basically, is what I'm getting at. Um, and I'm sure if you wanted to hire James for your service, he would appreciate that as well. Like, be all in. And I find that a problem with a lot of people that get a coach. They're not all in. They get coaching for status more so than results. Yeah, then, like, you know, like, I'll, like sometimes I'll get a client, right, and I put together, like, you know, initial plan, you know, which takes a while. That's the... You know, when you first start start getting things going and then it's adjustments from there but like you know i'll put what that like i put my questionnaire like, do you prefer macros or do you prefer what being what to told and what when, when to eat and what to eat and then they'll put when to eat what to eat and then i put what they need to eat when they need to eat it now then i come they come back with well you know i don't really like this is there any way i could substitute it with this and i like this and i don't like that and i'm like well <laughs> you know come on like you asked for this. This is this is the best way to do it. If you want to achieve your results the fastest possible, and that's what you wanted. So now you're coming back, you know, saying another thing. I just find that funny. Yeah, that's that's usually the case that I hear. Um, I'm no coach, but I've heard horror stories. Um, so tell me, I've never been like true four weeks out condition. How do you physically feel for people that are wondering how it feels to be somebody that's over 250 pounds, low body fat, and also four weeks out from a competition? Can you, can you quantify that for us? Yeah, so I actually feel really good this prep, to be honest with you. And I think it's a mindset thing uh, more than anything. My mental space is really good. Like I'm really locked in this time. Um, and this isn't my first one this so i've been here before but you feel really good in the gym and you'll feel okay during cardio sometimes better than others during cardio but during the day you're just like i don't really want to move but i what i do is i i keep a minimum step count i have to hit outside of my cardio to make sure that my neat doesn't go down so getting that neat which is i'm doing seven thousand at least seven thousand steps a day is very hard for me <laughs> right now um just like staying active because um, i really just kind of want to like lay down and sit down and my job's very inactive right now because it's a desk financial job so it's a lot of spreadsheet work and things like cool things like that but uh I don't move a lot. So I have to force myself to get out and walk things like that. And that's like, it's tough. But all, the other thing, as far as like the energy levels is um, expelling energy, like out, like via communication. So like I'm slightly introverted. So I've taken like the Briggs Myers test and all that. So I'm a little bit on the, in, the introverted scale not full introvert, but so I could be like an extrovert when I have to, but it wears me out. So having to like converse with people and like explain myself or like arguing, like, you know, my position, I'm just like not into that right now. So it's like, I, I get very short with people. It's pretty much like a yes or no answer type of deal, I guess you could say, uh, just because that's like, it's very wearing on me communicating with other people <laughs> so like um that that that's the hard part for me is like so i kind of withdraw myself as much as i can 
uh, when I, as I get closer and leaner. Um, yeah. Like my wife knows, like, babe, I want you to lay on me, lay on the and watch this movie, but I just don't have a full blown conversation right now. So she like, she gets it, you know, I need her there, but I don't necessarily want to, you know, get in a real you know, meaty conversation right now. So at, at times. And that that's, that's kind of standard fare I feel from everyone that I've ever talked to. So if you, if you, if you didn't know, I used to work for muscular development. Um, in Flex Magazine as an intern before I got into full-blown journalism. And then on top of that, I was, uh, are you familiar with Muscle Mayhem? Yeah, yeah, the website. Yeah, it was a it was a message board ran by Chad. Yeah, I used to go there all the time. Okay, so I was a moderator on there. Oh, were you really? Yeah, my screen name was Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Oh, shit, no way. Yeah, yeah. So I was there for years as a member and then went to the moderating side. Um, but that was the standard, uh, talk of how people were that tired four weeks out. And I think I spoke to Tom Prince one time and he said he basically feels just short of death four weeks out. Um, and he had a notoriously brutal diet. Like it was terrible. Um, but it got him in shape sometimes. Um, now with you having to expel communication to um your subordinates do you find yourself passing it off to like your lpos more than anything yeah um but i'm actually like so my new job i literally no one works for me so i'm one-on-one um i'm a the comptroller for uh, u.s second fleet so i don't have like my previous job so i just got my ship tour ended in march so there I had like 50 people working for me. Um, but yeah, so when I would diet, then I would pass it off to my chiefs a lot. <laughs> so like, uh, or my divos, so I had two divos and I had two, a senior chief and a chief. So they kind of got a lot of my, my, like a lot of taskings from me more, more so than usual. Um, but you know, I would handle stuff with my bosses and things like that. But, uh, a lot of the other stuff will kind of get passed off more, but now I'm just, it's just me. So I just report to my commander, which is three star. And that's it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's kind of a good, I got a good job uh, for, for bodybuilding. Cause I don't have to, I'm not, a, I'm not really managing people, which typically, you know, that's where a lot of your time goes like in a normal, like if you're on the ship, but uh and so that's a lot of energy. So now it's just strictly work and I, you know, it's really no management whatsoever, which is, which is a nice change of pace. Cause I did after three years of having 50 people under you, it's good to be kind of on your own for a little bit. What legacy do you want to leave as um, a person? What, what, if, when we talk about James Ball, what would you like for, the words what words would you like for come for to come out of people's mouths about you i would like for them to say he inspired me and helped me to be better because that's what i do man that's that's my whole focus so if i can make everybody inspire and make them better around me i'm going to be successful so it's it's not about and i learned that maybe because like as you move up it's really not about what you do 
at all. Like my fit reps and my evaluations or whatever, they're not based on like what I do. They're based on what my whole team does. So I need to make everybody better around me. So I've always tried to be a leader and by, and, and I, I consider myself more of like an instrument or sorry, inspirational type of a leadership trait. It's kind of one of my stronger leadership traits. So I would like my legacy to be, he inspired me to be better and inspired and helped me to be better. Cause I also like to like teach and learn uh, or sorry, teach and help people learn. Um, so kind of goes with the, you know, inspiring to, to want them to make them want to be better than actually give them like the tools and the knowledge to be better. And that's why I like coaching. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about this home gym that you have. Um, let's talk about this home gym that you have. Uh, how did this come to fruition? Like talk us through the stages of you cleaning out that garage getting all the equipment what'd you start out with what was your first big purchase and how do you just build on from that yeah so i started that three years ago and me and my wife moved into this house um, that we're at because she didn't i wanted her to get more in the weights and she wanted to get more in the weights but she didn't necessarily like going to the gym so i um i kind of didn't plan on it being a full gym i just planned on it being like kind of like a place where i could do a little bit of lifting if i wanted to every now and then but I, so I started off with, with a uh, deadlift platform, the uh, squat rack that or the squat stand I have. I got a power bar and I got a uh, trap bar, a curl bar, and then I got a bunch of free weights. Like, or, uh, sorry, not free weights, uh, plate weight, and then a dip attachment, and then um, and rings, and then I had some bands and things. So that's how it originally started. And then I was like, oh, this is fun. I love training with no one bothering me and my music blaring. And then I kind of just started building from there. So then I um, ended up getting like, you know, a lot of more dumbbells. Um, oh, sorry, I had a bench too when I when the first initial order. So that was probably like, I think I spent like 3,500 bucks and it was like, all oh, it was like a big rogue shipment. And that's kind of how I got my my feet wet and then um and then i just then i end up getting a lot more dumbbells and then i progressed i got a glute ham raise so i needed to get some like like uh, knee knee flexion work in i was like oh that'd be good i'll get that and then i got a belt squat so then i was kind of like really kind of a, a full gym type deal but then the most recent buy well sorry the second most recent buy i did was i got um, the prime fitness functional trainer and that kind of just like made it to where I did not have to go to the gym whatsoever because I could do everything I needed to do with cables and my dumbbells and my barbells and so like um, and I've just gotten crafty with the stuff I have to kind of more like a, like a, like a compliment more of like a full gym compliment that they have um, but I just recently bought uh, the Prime Fitness leg extension leg curl combination that just came out with last week. So that it's unfortunately not going to get here for like 16 weeks, but it's already paid for it and it's in production. But so that's going to really make it to where I do not have to <coughs> go to the gym. So I just, I really like training and like, it's all about atmosphere for me for training. I don't, you don't necessarily need the best equipment. Um, I like 
I like the aura of my own gym and I like <clears throat> me working out of there by myself or sometimes I'll have a buddy come over and just, just crushing the training and just getting locked in, not distracted by anybody else. And then I don't wait on anybody else for equipment or anything like that. Um, so I, I, I really, really enjoy it. Um, so, but I have been training legs on Saturdays with John Revis, like you mentioned, um, at a local gym here, just cause like I'm in prep, <laughs> he's in prep. So it kind of made sense. And we're like, you know, we're both around the same, I mean, he's, we're both around the same weight. He's like four or five inches shorter. So he's thicker than me, but, um, and he's strong. He's a former world record 242 before Larry wheels got it. Um, <laughs> so, and we, we, we just, we click and we're good friends and it's kind of a no bullshit training session. And I do like to get leg curls and leg extensions in, and that's kind of why I like to go to the, the gym share with him plus it's just kind of a good break kind of like a little weekend you know outing with the boys uh type of a deal but so yeah me and him and training picked up back training together like eight weeks ago we just been murdering legs and just try to kill each other every saturday it's been a lot of fun yeah uh justin was talking very highly of him so talk to me about the intensity of having a training partner versus not having a training partner. Do you, do you, I know you mostly train alone sometimes, but do you feel that um, you could push the envelope even further if you had a training partner that you linked up with all the time? Yeah, I think that if you have, I think for legs, what's going to separate your leg development is having a good training partner because, you know, like just say you're doing dumbbell bench presses, like, you're probably going to be able to get all the reps you can get by yourself. Like you, you just, there comes a point where you're not going to squeeze out another rep, no matter how much someone's pushing you. But if you have, you know, on hack squats or leg press and you're like, Oh, this, this fucking hurts. I don't know if I'm going to get any more. You could probably get five more with a good training partner. Cause you're, you know, your quads will still keep going, you know, especially in the higher rep ranges. So I think that, having a good training partner is what's going to really set what's really going to make your leg development better because you and you got to find someone you click with and you got to find someone that wants to train like they have a gun in your head just like you do um and it could also go the other way like you can train with someone that's not putting out the energy you want and you're going to have a shitty training session so training partners aren't necessarily a good thing in my opinion you gotta have the right one you know okay so I'm not going to keep you too much longer, um, but as a parting shot, is there anything, anyone you'd like to say thank you to? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of talked about everyone that um, really kind of like learned a lot. And so I thank all them again. Um, but, you know, Matt, Matt Jansen, most specifically, and Dom for, you know, they've been a huge part of my success and taking me on like the revive and raw team so I'm extremely privileged to be part of that i've been with them pretty much from the start um for both and so i've been extremely grateful there and then you know their you know mentorship and giving me the opportunity uh, has been great and then of course i want to thank my wife because she's the one that you know i train twice a day so it's a lot of dirty clothes <laughs> she's always you know doing my my clothes are big so there's it's a lot of laundry baskets and then uh, you know she 
she takes care of a lot of things, you know, as, as the prep gets down because I'm have less energy so she just kind of gets it so i kind of stopped doing as many chores as i probably should be and she's super supportive and everything so i think she's my she's my main anchor and you know um support uh, system i have so i i couldn't do it without her so if you're listening it's very important to have a support wife if you're choosing this bodybuilding thing because they will make or break your life um and your success in doing so that's but yeah that's it and then you know everybody else i talked about um they've been they've been great mentors and i attribute all my knowledge that you know really them learning from them so i lied i have one more question um, <laughs> how did that relationship between you and revive and get brawl how did that come about you know i think it started because of my sneaker collection so uh matt's matt and dom are big sneakerheads. And so, um, I think, I think I found Matt or he found me and because I was like, you know, it was like show my shoes or something. And then he had some and like, we kind of just got to talking and then, uh, you know, just kind of went back and forth a couple of different times, you know, various posts or DMS or whatever. And then, you know, just kind of liked what I was doing and then, uh, decided to take a chance on me. So it's been good. <laughs> Very fortunate. I think that's how it started. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, Matt is a Matt is a crazy sneakerhead. I just I've never been able to get into it. Now, if you have bodybuilding magazines, maybe I could compete, but like shoes, I I just can't do. I can't do. Um, yeah, it's a it's just a different hobby. <laughs> it's absolutely a different hobby. Well, James, I'm not gonna keep you much longer. Um, I do appreciate you stopping by, and uh, you know fair winds and following seas i'll definitely be watching and how you perform in these next few shows and hopefully you'll get a if you choose to do a national level show like the masters which i think will be an excellent idea uh hopefully you'll get that pro card yeah so i'm thinking about so my shows july 17th and then masters nationals when i compete so that's a saturday is july 17th masters nationals in pittsburgh is the wednesday following I mean, so I just have I, to snap it right back in. <laughs> so I don't, and then maybe that's the shortest way to get this over with and hopefully win. <laughs> I so mean, I'm, I'm really thinking about that now. But I, my other option is doing North Americans, but that's holding on condition for another six weeks. I would just do Masters just to see. Um, I would do Masters because it's just so close to your show. Um, like yeah, North Americans, it, it might be too close. It's five days or four days, which means a weigh-in's three, three days from my thing. I'm going to have to water cut to make the classic cutoff. Yeah, that is true. You know what I mean? Because I'm going to rebound a little bit after the show because I'm going to be loaded up and all that stuff. And then I'm going to rebound a little bit. And I'm, that's a quick turnaround. I drop it again. So we'll see. Because I'm like 250... I was 251 this morning, so that's 14 pounds over my cutoff. God, and that's that would be a nasty, nasty cut to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh, not looking, I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> no, that 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 just made me hurt listening to it. Yeah, my buddy Bartley Weaver, so I do a podcast with him. He just won the Junior Nats Class D, so he got his pro card this past Saturday. Mm-hmm. He uh he drops from he dropped from two forty to two thirty. 
to make weight and it was pretty gnarly <laughs> uh, that's that's disgusting that's disgusting. yeah like that, that's when you're already like lean and like dry and then you still gotta do the 10 pounds well i know you have a i know you have a podcast you want to plug that and let people yeah, know so we're on uh, we got a bodybuilding and cheat meals podcast that's so me Bartley weaver and uh casey wilson and, and so we're all Barley just got his pro rolling card. He's doing the Bahama, or the, sorry, the uh, Puerto Rico pro this Saturday, just just to do his first pro show. And then uh, Casey's doing, um, he's either doing USA's or North Americans. He's a really good classic competitor as well. And we're all we're all really good at eating a lot of freaking bad food. So we kind of <laughs> talk about like you know bodybuilding and then how we incorporate cheat meals and like things like that. So it's kind of fun because Barley's actually a pro eater as well he's the first pro eater pro bodybuilder ever oh that's very interesting yeah he's like really good he's like really good at eating it's, it's, it's amazing what he can put down so it'll boggle you <laughs> but like i'm pretty close to him i like to think so it's kind of funny that we can all like put down a lot of food <laughs> are you guys on uh itunes and spotify people can look for you yeah, we're on YouTube and we're on iTunes and Spotify. We're on all three. It's called Bodybuilding and Cheat Meals. I think if you just search it, it'll come up. Okay, so you guys heard Bodybuilding and Cheat Meals. So go, go support James. He, this is a good dude. I like him a lot and I'm wishing him nothing but the best. James, thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate it. You go and have yourself a wonderful Sunday. And uh, I will definitely see you on the Instagram. So if people want to get in contact with you for any coaching, or they just want to follow you, where can they follow you at? Um, jballer32 on Instagram. And then, like, if you go to my profile, I have a link in there for my coaching application. Um, take it right there. Okay, guys, you heard it. Go follow him. Go support. Uh, James, thank you for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Larry, it. for having me. I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. No problem. For Vaughn and Teen, I'm Larry Brown, James Ball. And we'll see you next time on the Tenacity Strength Fit for Duty podcast.